Hey team, I want you to meet Stuart Balcom, product marketer at Arrows. Stuart, what are three ways your team converts your market into revenue? Yeah, good question. So we have sort of two motions. One, we have, uh, I mean, relatively normal split. We have some inbound and we have um, some sort of more direct outbound strategies. Uh, I think our outbound is a little more interesting to talk about. So we use the Happy Customers podcast pretty specifically to target folks who like, A, we want to have great conversations. It is a uh, a more sort of top of funnel marketing channel for us, but we use that pretty specifically to one, identify and have conversations with sort of our ideal accounts that we uh, think should buy arrows, but we also use it as a research tool um, to really understand like what are the problems, what are the current pain points and the challenges that folks are having. Um, I think it's a great way to have a conversation that is not sales-led, um, but sort of helps align on how we think about the problem space and the, the market as a whole. Um, and then, you know, it, there's no obligation on the back end of it. Like people don't, that's not a strategy that we're going into, you know, hey, this is going to lead to a sales conversation. Um, but the goal is to, in a very targeted way, have organic conversations that lead to a sort of much more direct sales conversation. Um, so that's sort of the the primary way that we're doing outbound today. And then uh, we also have sort of an inbound funnel through primarily driven by the LinkedIn organic and focused content uh, and educational sort of SEO focused content uh, on the website, which drives people into uh, sort of a, a demo flow, um, which there's sort of two, two, two entry points, I guess, but ultimately the experience looks pretty similar. One, you can request a demo or two, you can request a strategy conversation or strategy call, which is much more focused on uh, typically for folks who are a little sort of earlier in their, their onboarding or thinking about the high touch onboarding program. And we can sort of more hand in a fairly hands-on way, help you sort of step through with sort of building a maturity model model around that, but help you sort of step through um essentially answer the questions that you need to have answered before Arrows is actually a good fit for you. Um, so we do that both if you enter sort of asking for strategy and also if you come in asking for a demo but aren't quite ready, we sort of are heavier on that side as well. What are three hard problems that you recently overcame? Yeah, so the big one, I'm a little past 90 days at Arrows. The, the big ones that I've been tackling are shifting the pricing model, uh, shifting the ideal customer profile, uh, and then sort of lining up how we think about the things that we prioritize on the marketing and product side to actually align to that. Um, so from a pricing perspective, specifically, we moved from a seat-based uh, model to a uh, plans as an arrow-specific uh, value metric. Um, but the goal there was to much more closely align the value that you're, uh, if arrows is working for you, um, you should be using more plans and you are happy to pay for more plans. And seats are, were in, in some cases a proxy, but didn't always map directly um, to the value that you're actually receiving. Um, on the, the ICP side, um, so we've made a shift uh, and this is sort of aligned with the maturity model that, we're, that I mentioned in the sort of how we turn the market into revenue question. Um, moving from folks who are sort of using uh, I guess ad hoc, ad hoc solutions or sort of less uh, structured and less sort of have less rigor around their onboarding program um, to teams that are exclusively using a CRM 
um, or have their, their onboarding pipeline lives in a CRM. They are looking to optimize how they move people through that CRM. Uh, measurement and efficiency is much more important um, to those teams. So that's been the big shift, which obviously comes with some messaging changes, some product changes, um, or at least I think the product probably less changes on the product side, but certainly narrowing in on like, this is the specific uh, use case. These are the specific pain points. Um, and also like, these are the ways that we are very differentiated for that group uh, versus folks who are trying to solve different problems than their, their onboarding experience. What are three roadblocks that you're working on now? Yeah, so the shifting of the positioning uh, and sort of aligning what this is, I think this is just a common early stage problem. You always have uh, marketing and positioning and messaging that is a little out of sync with, uh, or not out of sync necessarily, but a slightly different stage than uh, where the product actually is today. Um, so making sure that we are as best as we can lining those two things up um, so that the experience is, is sort of, it's clear when you see our marketing, this is the problem that we're solving. The first experience with the with our sales team and with uh, success aligns with that, and is sort of again moving you through that journey to bridge the gaps between uh, the things that you wanted to do and the things that it can do directly by or that you can do directly by yourself in the product. Um, and then similarly, sort of handling objections again. Back to, there's a lot of stuff here around the maturity model. Um, how do we help you bridge the gap or make sure that you have the things in place? Um, to actually adopt in this way. Like even we found that even shifting to um, an ICP that is using a CRM that knows, uh, and the reason there is like we have uh, deep integrations with HubSpot and Salesforce, um, but within that, like everybody sets up the CRM differently. There are ways that are we have found, and there's sort of some reasons that, uh, that setting up your CRM in a specific way helps you do other things uh, and is more efficient. So helping people understand like, yes, you may be using the CRM, but if you are able to make this change, um, you will sort of unlock this new capability and doing that from a, trying to do that earlier in the journey um, through content and education um, is a, that's a certainly, I think always a theme is like, how do we move things uh, that previously have been sort of only once you buy the product or only once you talk to somebody, how do we move those things earlier? I know we've talked about this before. How do you move those things earlier so that by the time somebody sort of gets to that point, they've already answered a lot of the questions that they might otherwise have had. Um, yeah, and I guess the the third roadblock, which isn't, uh, I don't know if it's a roadblock directly, but a, a very sort of strong positioning angle that we're, we're taking is, is going after some of the sort of common onboarding metrics. Um, one thing that we found is that uh, especially, we, we found that there is a, a pretty big divide in how onboarding run by success teams uh, or yeah, how, how success teams think about onboarding and how sort of uh, an onboarding team that lives under RevOps or under sales thinks about onboarding and measurement and rigor and like all these things around that. So uh, we're sort of trying to help we're trying to have a very strong opinion on how you could do it and then make it really easy to actually do that uh, with the product, which is uh, getting people to sort of make that mindset shift um, is, you know, is, is, a, is a process for sure. What are three mental models that you use to do your best work? Yeah, this is my favorite question, I think, of the, of the sex. So one that I am a huge fan of, uh, it goes by a lot of different names, is really, a, I think, a thing that is talked about more in 
uh, product, but I like to think about it as, uh, I guess, the cupcake model um, that essentially, like, instead of going and trying to bake the the full cake at the end um, and getting there by making an individual slice and then adding another ingredient and adding another ingredient and which means that the cake isn't actually that tasty until you get to the end. Start with just a smaller version, but of the complete uh, thing. So really trying to think in for anything that we're going to go out and try to do, what is the smallest, complete, valuable version of that? Um, and I think that's it's really helpful to be able to measure the impact much quicker um, and sort of get signal that you can then go and say, like, this ties to... Um, to another, I guess it's not one of the three that I was going to uh, going to mention, but is that the first version? Just a, I guess a, a belief that I have: the first version will probably be wrong in like ninety nine percent of cases. You'll be wrong the first time, so getting there faster and making sure that you get signal that you can actually use to make the next version better um, is important. Um, another one that I really like is defining guardrails early. Um, essentially, what is this not like explicitly? Uh, so the thing with arrows. Um, it, and this is has been the core of the the positioning shift is arrows is not a project management tool um which is very different than uh, and that's like a big thing right like uh high level positioning but arrows is not a project management tool which what, as soon as you do that and you can do that for at any level but as soon as you say what this is not you can then much more easily focus on what it is um and it's much easier to say no to the things that are potentially distractions and sort of shiny objects that don't align with that. Um, and then the third one, uh, which is a uh, come, came from uh, Charlie Munger, but is inversion. So, like, instead of thinking about like what is the success, what is the ways that this could be successful, and like what is the potential of this, like what are all the ways that we can fail? Um, and it's similarly to how do we move value earlier in the journey? How do we handle the objections early? How do we identify all the objections as early as possible uh, and handle them up front so that we don't even, hopefully we don't even get asked the question. We're just already handling those things in how we design the campaign, design the product, um, design the, the project. What are three techniques that other GTM teams need to try? Yeah, hopefully in 2022, everybody is doing this, but go talk to more customers. Um, you can never talk to more customers or never talk to too many customers. Um, and I think finding ways to uh, finding ways to do that in a way that is uh, in a way that compounds is beneficial. This is why, like, the, pretty much the first thing that I did at Arrows was uh, start a podcast. Uh, it's just an excuse to go. To, it's not just an excuse, but it gives you a really good reason to go talk to uh, tens. It'll be hundreds um, probably by the end of the year of the exact people that you want to be talking to because they're the people who you're trying to solve problems for. Um, so looking for ways that uh, looking for ways to talk to customers that it doesn't have to be a rigid, this is an interview and I'm going to ask you research questions, right? There's um, that there are ways to do interviews in a way that gets you sort of still gets you the unbiased insight um, that you, that you want, um, but also can be repurposed and reused in, in other ways, which gets to my second, uh, second technique, uh, content repurposing, and I use this one pretty broadly, uh, repurpose absolutely everything. Um, and, and also, um, don't approach or content repurposing doesn't have to be approached as a waterfall. Um, and what I mean by that is you don't have to start with, it doesn't have to be linear. So you don't have to start at the beginning and go to the end. You can start in the middle and go backwards. You can start it in the middle and go forwards. Um, so an example from, from arrows is, 
we record all these conversations for the podcast, um, bo- both with external folks, and I also interview our head of success uh, every week um, based on, typically it's based on sort of research and like questions that we know our audience wants to answer. Um, and then I just go find the right people to answer those questions. But Sure, they might be recorded for the podcast, but they'll probably be published first in the newsletter. They'll be published on social first. Um, so it's not necessarily we created this big thing that we published and then we distributed it. Um, we sort of break it up much earlier and, and repurpose from the start. Um, and the third thing, and I think that this is something that uh, you can do. It, it takes some thought to do, but um, is, is really impactful when you do it well. Um, is to look for ways to create proprietary insight. So what are the things that only you can do? What are the things that only you can talk about? Because only you have the data. Uh, typically, it's data, or you may have had conversations, or you've made a connection that other people haven't made. Um, because pretty much everything is commoditized. Like Product differentiation will only get you so far uh, and probably won't last very long. Um, but the things that you, like people can might be able to f- copy the features of your product, but they probably can't. Well, they can't copy the data that you have inside of your product, uh, which is just one example of proprietary data. Others are, uh, for example, just to give away the whole playbook, right? Like if you've recorded a podcast with 20 episodes, go pull the best clips across those episodes and pull them into something that's new um, and that is essentially becomes a research paper that nobody else has because you did all the interviews. Um, and whether you release the, the actual interviews themselves or not, um, you've created something that nobody else has access to. Um, so that would be my, my third one. Who are three operators that should be our next guests and why? Yeah, this is a hard question. I can't keep this to three. Um, so the first person would be uh, Mark Thomas uh, from Powered by Search. Um, pretty much all things content um, and, uh, and growth. Um, he really... The level of execution uh, is impressive. He also has this uh, high output marketing framework, um, which is really great. He's really intentional about building systems and processes around uh, getting getting the execution to the to a place where you can sort of set not set it and forget it, but it's in a in a state where it's self sustaining and you can go test the next thing. Um, so he's one. Um, Katie Mitchell at Sprig, um, she. Is, I mean, Sprig has been on a tear. They are growing really, really fast. Um, she came from B2C, um, is now working on a, uh, I guess it's a B2B product, but selling to B2C uh, customers. Um, but it has some really interesting thoughts around uh, how do you do social? How do you build a team? Um, lots of, of thoughts from being deep in scaling. Uh, Amanda Natividad at SparkToro. Um, she, again, all things content, um, but also... Um, how do you uh, how do you do creative things with with your marketing that are maybe in un- unintuitive um, and sort of don't scale in the way that you might uh, you know a lot of marketers look look only for the things that can scale and you can see the the top line potential of them but she's great at doing things that are not necessarily that uh, Sean McPherson at Alice uh, VP of Success there came from Drift was um, a really great perspective on from a success point of view, like what does it mean to build a go-to-market uh, model that really makes customers successful? And sort of, uh, and I think this, you probably taught to most people from early drift days, but uh, how do you tie your go-to-market motion with building a brand that is self-sustaining? 
um, and that is is not just about the the one to one things that you're doing, but actually rolls up into something much bigger. Um, and the final one, um, Crystal LaFrance at Repeat. Uh, she's director of community there. Um, she has a ton of interesting experience from both D2C and SaaS. Um, lots of very strong thoughts on uh, why you should build community early and why actually making customers successful um, is going to be the the best driver of growth for the business. Love it, Stuart. We got two bonus guests. I love talking with you. Uh, Thanks a lot, Stuart. Thanks so much for having me. Hey team, what did you think about this? I think that you got to add Stuart Balcom to your GTM talent watch list. If you can't recruit him, you can try to join Stuart's go-to-market team at Arrows, or you can try to join mine at Monograph. We're both hiring. Oh, by the way, have we met yet? I'm Chris Morgan, host of the Market to Revenue podcast. Shoot me an email right now about what you thought about this episode. It's chris at markettorevenue.com. Talk to you in a moment.